0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. In your Bibles, you can turn back to 1 Samuel 17, where we were last week. We were looking at what fear does, how the enemy uses fear to paralyze people you ever notice that first Samuel 17 we know that that's a powerful story of David and Goliath we looked at how this this big Philistine was challenging the armies of Israel now what we're going to do tonight since we looked at it from the angle of the intimidating factor of fear and then we brought David onto the scene and how David, even though the entire army, the Bible was said, was afraid and greatly dismayed. One translation I was reading today said this, said they were totally devoid of hope. That means that after 40 days of this, there was no expectation of victory. They were just waiting for somebody, you know, to get beat up. You know, <coughs> excuse me. As I was meditating on this scripture today, and reading it in several different translations. One translation said of Goliath, one of them said that his, his, his armor, that he was 10 foot tall, his armor weighed 126 pounds, and the, and, the, and the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds, and his spear was like the corner post of a fence. So this is a pretty ominous guy. But listen, one translation said this, said, he separated himself from the army and presented himself to the Israelites. They should have whacked him right there. They missed their opportunity. If Saul would have been serving God, they'd have said, look at that idiot coming out here by himself. Let's dogpile him right now. Everybody grab your dagger. Let's do it, you know. But they didn't have enough sense to do that because they were too busy looking at how tall he was. How much armor he had on? How how his how big his how big his uh, uh, the tip of his spear was? How big his spear was? They were too busy looking at him to get the plan of God to defeat him. Amen. And then as Goliath, we said this. As he began to throw that challenge out, he divided them as an army because he wasn't looking to fight the army. He was looking to fight one man. So everybody began to look at their brother saying, well, why don't you do it? Well, why don't you do it? So all of a sudden, he's sowing division through fear right there in the midst of of that army. So he's got them afraid and he's got them divided. But thank God there's always somebody that can come in and get the fear out and get people united so they can do the will of God. Amen. Amen. So here comes David, the most least likely person in the world. He's just a a shepherd boy. Now, now, things that happened in his life, you can go back into the the last uh, uh, chapter 14, 15, and 16 and read what happened in in David's life. He got got chosen as the next king. Whoa, that's pretty big. It talks about how how, uh, 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 Samuel came to their house and and, and had a big banquet and, and how Jesse had all his sons there, all seven of them. And he came to the first one and, and Samuel said, surely this is the Lord's anointing. And God said something powerful. He said, you know, man looks on the outside, but I look on the heart. Amen. And as was the custom of that day, there's several different places you can study and read this. They would, those, those, those prophets would carry a bottle of anointing oil that was sealed with wax. And what they would do is they would go from one person to the next and hold that thing upside down, believing that the right choice, the the Holy Ghost would come upon that that, uh, receptacle of that oil, melt that wax and it'd pour out on them. So he's holding that thing over shamans, nothing's happened. He's holding it over, over the next one, uh, Abinadet, nothing, Elam, nothing happened. He goes through seven of them, and nothing, nothing. He's standing there and his bottle's still full of oil. He's thinking, I wonder if I made a mistake. So he asked Jesse, you got anybody else around here? He said, yeah, I got the, the youngest son, who most of the times the youngest son was kind of just like the head, the head slave. Now just think about it. He could have really had an attitude. You know what? He could have had an attitude. I didn't get invited. I didn't get dressed up. Nobody said I could come. I got to stay out here with these stinking sheep. No, no. The Bible says he didn't have any attitude whatsoever. He came in and I, I could imagine to the shock of everybody there when Samuel held that over David and that wax just melted and poured out over David. He's anointed with that powerful smelling oil that God had given divine direction to make to the apothecary all the way back in the book of Exodus. So you can smell that everywhere. Amen. So he goes, finds favor with King Saul, becomes his armor-bearer and serves Saul. And then Saul and the whole army get up and take off. So he goes back to his father's house. Now listen to this. Under parental direction, not a word from Samuel, not some visitation of an angel, but just under parental direction, dad saying to the son, go down. And serve your brothers. Here's some food. Go down and ask them if there's anything you can do for them. Just be a servant. So he he gets up and instead of being so excited, he forgets his responsibility. You say, what do you mean by that? There is responsibility when it comes to what we're going to study tonight. You say, what what are we going to study tonight? Confrontational faith. Faith that doesn't lie back and say, well, I'm going to try to recover from this latest disaster. No, faith that presses in and presses the fight against the enemy with confrontation. Now let me say, people don't like that word confrontation. We are a society that we don't have confrontation anymore. Food is grown by other people and brought to the store that we buy. So we don't have to confront the food issue. Medicine, we go to the doctor. We don't have to confront those issues. Uh, uh, Spiritual things, we go to the church. We let the pastor do it. Amen? Think about it. I mean, in just about every uh, aspect of life, there's someone else, for comfort's sake, that will confront it for you. Amen? So, confrontation, number one reason people don't like confrontation. Number one. Number one. You say, what is that? It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Amen? Number two confrontation is aggressive it's offensive people don't like con- right there in the scripture when we read last week uh, his own brother got mad at him I know why you're down here you're just down here to watch a battle take place amen and then we kind of closed last week when David said well is there not a cause well how about the causes of today my goodness We're living in the last of the last days. We we may be right there at the end of the age. Isn't there a cause of all the people that if we don't do what God tells us to do the way He tells us to do it, there's a lot of people that are going to die and go to a sinner's hell. But if we do obey God, we're going to see a rich harvest of souls that are going to come into the kingdom and they're going to miss eternal torment. There is a cause. Remember remember how we've said it for years? Because hell is forever. It's forever. But so is heaven. I said, so is heaven. Now, we read down to the part where we got down to where let's find it here. Look at verse, uh, go down to verse 32. This is after all that we talked about last week happened. And obviously, It's just like it was back then as it is now. You say, what do you mean? When somebody said something, it gets spread all over the place. (laughs) Amen. So all of a sudden somebody came up to Saul. He said, Saul, you know, there's that little kid you you, you hired to to be your armor bearer. Really just kind of, you know, in name only because he wasn't with him. The one that was kind of serving you, playing the harp. That guy, the harp guy. Remember the harp guy? He's here well he is yeah he's here but man he's saying some crazy stuff well what is he saying well he's, he's talking about the, the Goliath being an uncircumcised Philistine he's talking about how this is a reproach to Israel he, he's, talk, he's asking people what, is there any reward in whipping this guy and that's, that's literally what's happening Saul hears it and he sins for David David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, thy servant. Now this is unique too because he didn't say, ah, the future king. Because David really never saw himself in any other light other than the servant of God. Even when you study him as a king, he doesn't call himself a king. He still calls himself a servant. That ought to cause a little light to go off over your head. Amen. You say, well, God's looking for servant's hearts who will act like king's. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For thou art a youth. He a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, Thy servant, Now notice that again, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered him out of, the mouth, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now notice this. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Now if we would stop right there, you would say, now wait a minute, wait a minute. You whipped a lion? You whipped a bear? Come on now. You know, you're not that big. Amen. You're not that tall. Nothing ever says that David was that big or that tall. It says his brothers were, but it didn't say he was. You're kind, of, you're, kind of the, you know, you're kind of the run of the litter. And you're talking about whipping a lion and a bear? Come on now. But then he adds this phrase at the end. Now notice this. He said, I whip the lion. I whip the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Now notice, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. But you're still not getting it. I need to hit on it until you get it. I whipped the lion and I whipped the bear. I whipped the lion and I whipped the bear. Amen. That means when the lion came, I did something about the lion. When the bear came, I did something to the bear. Now the giants come, I'm going to do something about the giant. I'm going to do something about the giant because I did something about the bear and the lion. The bear and the lion prepared me for the giant. I'm ready for the giant because of the bear and the lion. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's what he's saying. Then, I like this. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Now wait a minute. I think we ought to talk about this. Let's get two or three generals and a couple of colonels and a couple of majors and some captains. Now, Now Saul, we know you're king and we know that in a monarchy you have absolute authority. But don't you realize you are giving the authority of our nation over to this guy's standing there with cheese in his hand. (laughs) He's carrying cheese and bread. He has no armor. He has no armor. He's standing there with sandals and a staff. He looks like a shepherd to me. So you're telling us that we're putting the fate of our entire nation in the hands of a shepherd boy. Now let me just... We've lived, this is probably 4,000, maybe 4,200 years ago. In that time, no, it'd be, it'd be, I'd have to go back and do my math on it, but it's a long time ago, amen? <laughs> Several millenniums ago, maybe, maybe 3,200 years ago. Anyway, we have developed as a race of people, the human race, a great ability to reason. Do you understand that? Your ability to reason is your greatest enemy. And we're more, we're more, we're more adept at it than any other race of human beings that have ever been on the earth. Than the people that lived in the 40s and 50s, the people that lived in the 1800s, the 1700s, the 1600s, the 1500s, people that were around when Jesus... Our ability... And listen, let me tell you something. People guard that... They think that's a real asset to them as a human being to be able to reason. But listen, if they were reasonable here, they would have never sent that kid out against that giant. Something about the way that kid talked was anointed. It carried a divine inspiration. I like to say it like this. It carried a divine spark to it in which caused them to realize this ain't reasonable this ain't a reason. It's not a rational thing to do. But he's the only one here. When he speaks, there's a divine spark to it. So he's our only hope. Amen. Cause see, Paul, Saul knew the anointing. He'd lost it. And I'm telling you one thing: there ain't nothing you're more aware of than what you lose. If you lose something that God's given you. So he said, "Look, man, we ain't got. We, we ain't got. There ain't no other way. The Lord be with you." Now notice what it says. Verse 36. And Saul armed David with his armor, put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword, Saul's sword, upon his armor, Saul's armor, and assayed to go, or he didn't want to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them, And David put them off of him. Now here's a great opportunity right here for everybody to get upset with the whole situation. Because he's putting on not just a general's armor. He's not putting on a colonel or a... He's putting on the king's armor. The king's armor distinguished him from anyone else on the battlefield. And David put it on. He put on the helmet. He put on, put on the coat of mail. He, he, he strapped the sword on and he stood there and let me tell you how he felt. Felt awkward. This is, I guarantee you the thought that his mind is if I go out there looking like this it's going to kill me quick because I have not I've not proved this helmet. I've not proved this mail. I've not proved this sword. I've never done anything with this. Now let me just this is one of the aspects of faith that you have to realize and you have to walk in You don't need my faith. You don't need brother so-and-so's faith. You need your faith. You can't walk in someone else's armor. You can't dress yourself up like someone else. You cannot do that. God, listen, I've I've, I've used this illustration in teaching on faith for all the years that I've ever taught faith, and that is this. We could be all believing for this thing right here, this uh, make it financial, 100,000 dollars. You're targeting $100,000 for your personal life. I'm for my life. You're for your life. And all of us can receive based on our different levels of faith because it's that level of faith that you act on that will produce the answer. You could have only been saved two years, but you're believing all you know for that and God just blesses you with it. You could be serving God for 50 years and you're doing just what you know to do and you can receive that. There's no criteria. Well, you hadn't believed long enough, hard enough, fast enough. No, no. As long as you are believing the Word, God watches over His Word to perform it. Now, David is doing something that is unique here. When it comes to fear, David is pulling himself out of the realm or dimension of literally corporate fear in all of the army, the only way he can do that, and that is by, by becoming confrontational, aggressive, offensive. Now notice how he does it. Verse 40. He took his staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, Put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, And his sling was in his hand. Now notice this. And he drew near to meet the Philistine. That I means he got up from one position. He began to walk. He began to move toward the Philistine. As he did, he crossed a brook. As he crossed a brook, he knelt down and he picked up five smooth stones. Now, listen, we can. There's all kinds. You can go off and preach 14 different ways on the five smooth stones. Sure, uh, Goliath had four other brothers. They all got killed by one of David's mighty men. Uh, one guy preached on the five I like all, all of it's true. But he stopped, and he armed himself with something he had proved. Obviously, he was good with a sling. He'd probably been practicing out there as he was a shepherd boy. He knew how to sling a stone. That's what he knew how to do. That's what he knew how to do. That's what he knew how to do. And with what he knew how to do, he was aggressive with what he knew how to do. You cannot be aggressive with what you do not know how to do. That's why a lot of people need to know how to serve God. I wrote this, I think I showed it to Lee. I wrote this down on some notes the other day. I was sitting there, I'd been studying, I'd been praying, I'd studied. And the Lord spoke to me and said, There are many people in the kingdom that do not want to do wrong, they just don't know how to do right. So you got to learn. I remember when I first started serving the Lord, so much I got wrong. I just did not know how to do right. So I submitted myself to the Word, submitted myself to good teaching, submitted myself to the examples of other men that served God, and I learned how to do right, and I'm still learning. But if you ever stop learning how to do right, then what you do is you become a blamer of everyone else because you're unwilling to learn how to do right so you live in all you do wrong and all you can do when you do wrong is blame other people for it and if you don't see that on a mass scale today it ain't my fault so he picked up the stones put them in the bag off he goes and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David Okay, David gets up he starts going and here comes the giant what do you think is going to happen when you get aggressive you think the devil going to run off and hide from you he going to try you out he going to try you out that's why you better be ready have your mind renewed have your body presented to God full of faith prayed up coming to church doing what you know to do in agreement now you're ready he's moving the enemy's moving He's, they're both coming at one another because confrontation takes two parties thinking they're winners. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. I've watched people fight diseases. I've fought people that just they just would not quit. I'm not a loser. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm not. And then they get a doctor's report So you're dying. You're going to be dead. No, I'm telling you, I'm healed of God, and they just would not quit. And because they would not quit, their aggression overcame the aggression of the disease. And one day the doctors had to say, we well, we don't know what happened. Amen. I, heard of, I, knew, I heard the testimony of one man that the doctors actually told him, we will sign an affidavit that God did a miracle. Amen. I like what Brother Osteen used to say. He said, we love doctors. They'll keep you alive until the miracle takes place. Now notice, here comes the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near unto David. The man that bare a shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was a youth and ruddy of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Remember his gods Dagon and all those other goofy gods they served and the Philistine said to David come to me and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field now listen you got to be prepared for what the enemy says to you and you got to be prepared for how he says it to you so many people do not realize when the devil's talking to them amen listen don't go study the problem more than you study the answer because if you investigate your problem more than you do the answer, you're going to get the manifestation of the problem and not the answer. Whatever you get overwhelmed by will overwhelm you. That's one of the greatest uh, sayings in Pastor Dodi Osteen's book about healed of cancer was we were overwhelmed by the doctor's report and we went home and we made a decision to get more overwhelmed by the Word of God than we were by the doctor's report. And he, she said, when we first did that, cancer said, cancer! But she said, when, after a few months of the word, it was just this little thing said cancer. But this great big word in her, by his stripes I am healed. Amen. See, it's aggressive. It's a fight it's called the fight of faith. So here's, here's, here's Goliath, and he's, he's offended. He's mad. He's says, you know, are you looking for a dog to chase off or something? Are, are you the one that they've sent out to fight me? You're just a little old punk kid. Who do you think you are? I'm telling you, I'm going to rip your flesh apart. I'm going to feed it to the birds of the air. Then we're going to run right through you and we're going to go through the army. We're going to tear up everybody. We're going to tear up everything. And everything we said we're going to do to you is what we're going to do because we are aggressive. We are offensive. I'm coming after you. That's what he was saying. I'm going to do you. Notice what he said. The Philistine said to David, Come to me. I'll give your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, notice this. Then said David to the Philistine. Pastor, I really don't, I I think it's really neat how you guys speak the word, but you know, that's really not for me. Then said David to the Philistine. Now, let me say this, and don't get mad, because I'm not teaching on confession. If I were, I could show you in the word. You have no faith outside of what you say. Your confession are the your confession are the train tracks that God builds into your life to bring the cargo of God's provision. And without your confession, you have no power at all. Your confession releases the power of that word. So I'm just going to think a good thought today. He'll beat your brains out. He'll make your body so sick you won't know what to do. He'll torment you. He'll put fear on you until you rise up and say, Devil, it is written. you got to do it. You've got to do it. That is an aggressive posture. You know, one of the great studies you can do is everything that Jesus said in the Gospels about his death. Because he was not saying that for the disciples. He told them, destroy this... Destroy this temple. I'll raise it up in three days. They thought he was talking about Solomon's temple. He was talking about his body. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of a well, whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. He was not saying that to give them a Bible lesson. He was saying that about himself. He was speaking the word of God so that he could hear it and faith could rise in him. And when he rose from the dead, the angels came to the disciples and said, Go tell the disciples that he is risen as he said. As he said. Then David said, I like David. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear, and a shield, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Now I like this. I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines He's not just challenging Goliath. He's picking on the army. He's picking on the army. He's saying, you're just the first one I'm going through. Come on, church. I will smite thee. Take your head from you. Give the carcasses of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth, and the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth will know that I'm supposed to be the next king. Amen. No, so that all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. The reason I'm doing this is so people will know there's a God. The reason I'm standing for this healing, the reason I'm standing for this financial breakthrough, the reason I'm standing for this breakthrough in my family, my business, my job... Thank God for the money. Thank God that I'll feel good again. But I'm doing this so everyone around me will know there is a God. There is a God in this world that loves them. Come on, church. All the earth may know there's a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know. I like this. That the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Now notice this. Now everybody's rejoicing. It's camp meeting time. We're shouting, run around the church. (laughs) Amen. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose. So you'd have thought what David said, he'd have ran away. Run away, run away, run away. No, he stopped. He's looking down. See, the enemy always wants you to to think that you're in a lower position than him. He's the giant, you're the short little guy. No, you're risen with him and seated in heaven heavenly place, so you're the one looking down on him. That's another subject. But he didn't get up and take off. The Philistine arose, got up, and drew nigh to meet David whoa and David hid behind a rock trying to get an angle on Goliath nope David did what he matched his aggression he didn't draw nigh he ran toward which means he matched that aggression with a greater aggression he took off running at this guy. Now, if this was a Bible school class, which it is a Bible school class tonight, I would ask, where's the miracle? Where's the, mi- where's the miracle of 1 Samuel 17? I've heard, I've heard preachers preaching. They can do it so well, so elegantly. These guys that are evangelists have that gift. They talk about how, how God's hand, when it came, out of, when it came out, of the, out of the sling, God's hand grabbed that stone, sent it right to the right. Well, praise God. If, if God did, then glory to God. But the miracle is really not the stone finding its place in Goliath's forehead. The miracle is the kid running at the giant with his eyes like this saying, you're fixing to go down, dude. He's aggressive. He's confrontational. Hey, let me ask you, do you think this is comfortable? Do you think this is easy? He ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. And David put his hand in his bag. Now he's running. Puts his hand in his bag. And took a stone. And he slung it. And smoked the Philistine in the forehead. That the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell upon his face to the earth. Whoa. So initially it's, everything's looking good. He runs at it. He takes the, takes the rock. He slings it. It goes right to the place it needs to go, and it drops the Philistine on the ground. But here's the deal. He, he's on this field of confrontation, unprepared to finish the job. Just like, just like Abraham was when he went up in Genesis chapter 22, up the mountain. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. He was unprepared to worship. But he prophesied to his son and to all of us, God will provide himself a lamb. Amen. Many times you fight a fight of faith without all the equipment necessary to finish the fight. God just wants you in the fight because it's in the fight you get equipped. Amen. A lot of people, are, well, I, when I get equipped, I'm going I'm to start fighting. No, no, you better get in the fight right where you are, right where you are. You get into that fight Realizing that on this battlefield, on this field of confrontation, there's going to be some stuff for me to finish this thing. Amen? Because you don't want this guy getting up. He's going to get up mad. I love, what is it, verse 50? So David prevailed. So David prevailed. So David prevailed. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand. David therefore ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword. Well, wouldn't it be neat if there was a a scripture in the Bible that said something like, uh, no weapon formed against me would prosper? Doesn't mean the weapon's not formed. And he cut off the head thereof. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled, they took off. So he goes on to the field. Now look, the Philistines were known, all the nations around the Philistines dealt with them for metal, for for plows, for uh, for swords and spears, for everything. Because the Philistines, for some reason, were experts at working with metal. They were blacksmiths. That's what they were. So somewhere in a blacksmith shop, probably in Gath of the Philistines, was a a blacksmith making a sword for a giant man. Not realizing that this sword was going to be turned against that giant man for a victory for the entire nation of Israel. Uh, If he'd have known that, he probably wouldn't have made it. We'll go somewhere else. Somebody end up whipping you with this thing. No, he made it, but what was formed against David became the sword in David's hand. I love people that, that, that stand in faith and get healed of cancer and then write books about getting healed of cancer and then hundreds of people get healed because of that or somebody goes through a financial difficulty or a thing with their business they write books and they talk about it. and their, their, their story is so inspiring that people go back into the Word and dig out that revelation for themselves and they stand and they get the same victory. Yeah. That's exactly what testimony is designed to do is to bring inspiration so you can keep running at your giant. I think back when we used to travel, uh, remind me, what was our tape series? Your giant is no match for your stone. And here was the illustration we would use. As long as your stone is way out there, your giant looks big. But you bring that stone all the way up here so all you can see is the stone. Your giant don't look so big. You say, why? Because you can't see it because the stone's so close. Well, who's the stone? Who is the rock that the builders rejected? how close is he if he's way out here your giant may look big but boy if he's right here between your eyes you can't see nothing but the stone and when you can't see nothing but the stone you're fixing to get a victory let me close with this my time's up I got to bring this to an end he said therefore David ran stood upon the Philistine took his sword drew it out of his sheath thereof slew him cut off the head thereof and the Philistines saw their champion was dead they fled the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Boy, unity came real quick, didn't it? Pursued the Philistines till they come to the valley and the gates of Ekron. And the wounded the Philistines. And the wounded Philistines fell all the way down to uh, Shammaron, even unto Gath, and unto Agron, and the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistines, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Yeah. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou? And the young man said, David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jethli. Jesse the Bethlehem. Now he's, he's got a hold of this, this number. It's an ugly looking, nasty looking thing. Stump of a neck. Part of the throat hanging out. Both, both of the carotid veins hanging out. Dried blood all over it eyeballs probably hanging out he's got it in his hand now it looks ugly to everybody but to put to them Jews to them Israelites that's not ugly that's beautiful. the women started crying out Saul has killed his thousands but David has killed his and he's walking around he's not letting go of the victory no it's not pretty it's not pretty it's ugly it's real ugly. I can only think of one thing uglier and That is a God that will allow itself to be spread out on a cross, nails to be driven into His hand, thorn of crowns to be placed upon His head, His back to be laid open with thirty-nine stripes, for Him to bleed out right there, onto the ground, for them to take a spear and stick it up into the, stick it up into the, uh, to the, sack of the heart, and blood and water gushes out of His side. But what do you wear around your neck? How many ladies have one on tonight? What do you have around your neck? You have a cross. Paul said the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. That's because it's a sign. It's a sign that says, one day, 2,000 years ago, when the sun refused to shine and the earth shook and the universe came to the point of just literally destroying and imploding upon itself God's hand of mercy allowed the most hideous confrontation that ever took place in the universe to happen because He loved you and He loved me and it wasn't pretty and it wasn't comfortable but oh was it glorious when they went to that tomb was it glorious when David would hold up that head it was glorious but not near as glorious as when they ran to that tomb and found it was empty and they knew no one stole that body and Jesus appeared and said touch me not Mary for I have not yet ascended he was on his way with all that blood he had spilled to redeem you and I for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son now God has reproduced himself in us (laughs) We are not cowards. We are not afraid. We are not fearful of viruses, pandemics, political turmoil, things that they try to put upon us as a people or as a group. There may be days ahead in which your boldness and your confrontational faith will determine whether or not you're actually a person willing to go and attend a church service. You should have enough spiritual guts to do it. You say, why? Because of what your Savior did for you and how he exhorted you in the last of the last days. Two things he said. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always. And then he, he, he took a little slice of time out and he says, especially here, even at the end of the age. Then he said this, forsake not the assembling of yourself together we studied that several weeks ago don't stop gathering together to worship even more so as the evil day what is that evil day? the end of the the age as it approaches when I think of the testimonies I've heard of the men and women I've watched many of them as they wept and told the testimonies especially out of eastern Europe from Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Poland, when the Iron Curtain was so strong and the penalty for being caught in a home church was death. And how pastors saw their, their congregations destroyed with violence. But they kept preaching. And they kept gathering. And they kept writing out their Bibles by hand. And they kept serving God in the midst of all of that. And listen, the church many years has been fat and happy and those days are over and there's a leanness and a boldness coming to the church that doesn't mean we won't see crowds people won't gather that means there's a leanness, a boldness and an aggressiveness that's going to come for those that are in the last of the last days those that know their God the Bible says shall do exploits God said in Isaiah those that are born Speaking about those that are born again. Those that are born are born for signs and wonders. That's, that's God talking about you and I in these last days. I don't want to miss that. And there's no price too big to pay to be a part of what God's doing in the last of the last days. Amen? You love the Lord. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Thank you for a stirring. A stirring in us. A stirring in us, Lord be confrontational in our faith let us recognize and realize that all the brook of God is full of the smooth stones of revelation that reveal God in His glory Jesus in His majesty, the spirit in His ability and that reveal us in who we are as the vine He being the branch Thank you for the fruit. Thank you for the battles won. Thank you for the strength of God. Thank you for a resolve in the hearts of men and women to serve God with all they have. For these are the days in which men and women's hearts are being weighed in the balance. Lord, you said in the book of Joel, there would be multitudes in the valley of indecision. Father, that's the valley where we're called to help them make the decision. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Whom do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Help us, Lord, to help others to answer that question correctly. In Jesus' name. Father, as we leave tonight. We rejoice in your provision. Thank you, Father, that we're bold as a lion, harmless as a lamb. We're wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Thank you, Father, as we go through the rest of our week. You empower us by your Spirit. Gather us to pray tomorrow night. Let that stirring continue. And Father, I pray over those who that stirring has either been rejected or pressed down, that they would yield when the Spirit moves them to come and be a part of the touch of God, which you're showing us so gracefully, so powerfully power our Friday night services we gather to worship. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Prepare us for what you're going to do in October, Lord. We know something is stirring in the Spirit. It's going to break through and break over into another dimension of serving you in these last days. Thank you, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Both in handling the righteous resource you've given us, and in travel and transportation, we declare, we're not like everyone else. We're your children. Angels are assigned to us. Your favor and mercy and grace surround us. So we thank you for your protection and safety. Thank you for a spirit of evangelism in our hearts. Let us share the goodness of God with all of the. Lord, there's people out there. they're so afraid they're so intimidated they're being so manipulated and controlled many of them know it and can't break free but father we thank you for no political reason for no other reason than the revelation of Jesus let us be bold with our witness let us be an answer to their prayer let us be a problem to the adversary let us be a miracle in someone's life father we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you we love you so much we leave walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. And we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.